The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you for your kindness, Lord. In every life present in this place today, my Father, in every life joining us over the internet, do that which eyes have not seen. Do that which ears have not heard. Father, do that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. Let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, this morning, we are uh, kind of preparing the ground for the God to do the again service next Sunday. Praise the name of the Lord. And so, I mean, God does the heavy lifting. You know, so my job is pretty simple, pretty straightforward this morning. And we are looking at beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. And we are, this is part one. Next week, we'll have uh, part two at the God of the Regan service. Beauty for ashes. You know, it's a way of saying that God will do in your life a glorious transformation from situations that appear hopeless, from situations that appears useless, from situations that appears frustrating. God will turn it around and make it glorious in the mighty name of Jesus. If you have maybe one of those situations in your life, then I'm excited because you are about to witness a transformation. And even if you don't, if everything is, you know, rosy and all that, this nation will experience beautiful ashes (laughs) in the mighty name of Jesus. So, you know, and for that to happen, God has to help us. God has to help us. And when God helps a man, it's usually clear that God is helping this, this person. You see, if we look at your life and we look at you and we are like, mm, yeah, he's strong enough and, you know, talented enough and brilliant enough to do what he's doing, then you have not even started. Praise the name of the Lord. When we look at you and look at what God is doing in your life, we should be able to say, hmm, someone is helping this guy. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> or someone is helping this lady. Like we learned, God created us for connections. God made us in such a way that we need one another. God made us in such a way that we can't exist outside of one another. So 
Everybody needs help. Everybody needs help. Even the little um, boy or girl that is just coming into their own, they don't want you to help them wear their socks. They don't want you to help them wear their school uniforms. You know, they don't want you to help them do so many things because they want to do it by themselves. But they will discover that they can't get to school by themselves. Except your school is downstairs. <laughs> they usually cannot. So there are things that, there are levels that you cannot get to without help. There are things that will just not happen until you get help. I'm praying that before Sunday is done, you will get help from heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus. In fact, how far you go depends on the quality of help available to you. How far you go depends on the quality of help available to you. If you see someone that appears to be going far, the person has quality help. If you see someone that is intelligent, has a good degree, nothing is going on, no help. Now, because of how pivotal help is, we sometimes look for help in the wrong places. We look for help in the wrong places because of how important it is. Many times, we have people looking for help in the wrong places. People go to all sorts of shrines to get help. People join all sorts of cults to get help. They tell you, if you don't belong to this fraternity, you cannot progress. They tell you, if you don't have a pact with us, you cannot progress. There's someone that... um, we were working with spiritually some time ago. And he was telling me how he was about to close a deal of the figures we shake, we, we make you, you boggle your mind. I think it's about, about $3 billion. And the vice president of a country in this world, one of the most powerful nations in this world, said to him, okay, we want to close this deal, but I can only close this deal with my brother. And he was like, what are you saying? He says, I can only close this deal with my brother. Long and short, you have to join our cult. We don't do bad things. We don't kill people. We just look out for each other and watch each other's backs. And the guy obviously was confused because he was a believer and, you know, (laughs) and he said to me, he went to his hotel room and that night, Jesus showed up, physically came to him and said to him, don't sign it. I will help you. 
<laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, he was telling me I wasn't there. I was like, wow. Listen. There is no help apart from the Lord. Anyone, any force that claims they want to help you, if God does not help you, they are wasting their time. David understands this. And David says in Psalm 121 that I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? Where does my help come from? He says my help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. God will change your ashes to beauty by himself. God will sustain even there are things you are calling beauty right now. By the time God is finished with you, you look at it again and say, that was ashes. Praise the name of the Lord. But the question is, where are you looking for help? Where are you looking for help? Man? Man? Your uncle? Your your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, your brother, your mother. God can use anybody, but you see, the problem is when you put your eyes on man, you've cut yourself off from divine flow. That's that's usually the challenge. When, When you look at man, when you look at God, God will use men to help you. But when you start looking at men, you will start seeing men for who they really are. Undependable, undependable men. (laughs) Totally, totally undependable. Totally undependable. But when you make the Lord the source of your help, it makes everything Everything works for you. And if you look at your situation and you're, and you're like, is this possible? You know, is, is this a, isn't this a hopeless situation, pastor? Listen, listen. With Jesus, there are no hopeless or helpless cases. With Jesus, there are no hopeless or helpless cases. None whatsoever. There are no hopeless or helpless cases with Christ. We all are in different levels and different stages of our lives. As it relates to the help from God. You know, some of us are in a place... When we say, can God help me? Can God help me? This actually is the turnaround question. It sounds like a, 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 defeated question, a defeatist question, but it's actually a turnaround question. You may be bewildered in a tight place. You may be feeling that you have let God down, and you may be feeling that... All hope is lost. Can God help me? Can God help me? 
God help me. In Luke 5, in Luke 5, verse 12, from verse 12, it says, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced stage of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging, can God heal me to be healed? Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Can God help me? Can God help me? Because, you know, I am actually not sure if God wants to help me. Can God help me? Because I'm not sure if God wants to help me. And like Jesus said to this man, I am willing to be clean. God is saying to you, I want to help you. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to help you. So if you are here, you are sitting, you are asking, can God help me? I'm not even sure if he's willing. He sent me to tell you, I am willing to help you. I'm just a messenger. And that's the message I'm delivering. Or you could be in a situation like we learned on, on Thursday and Wednesday at, at, at Drive in John 11. John 11, verse 21. It says, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. What does that mean? Now that you are here, you are not useful for this situation. That's what she was saying in a nice way, if you will. But fast forward, when we get to verse 39, you know, Jesus said, roll the stone aside at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Martha protested and said, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? I mean, Jesus is rose away the stone. I was just like, ah, this thing, oh God, I've told you, you are late. If you had been here, you, you are, could have done something. You know, you may be in a situation where you think God is late. If God had done this before I was in primary school, then my life would not have been like this. Listen, God is not late. God is never late. And, and Martha and Mary, apparently, now had this Jesus that... They love and they are saying can he help us we know he wants to but the question is this I'm not sure if he can or the dilemma 
is, I'm not sure if it can help. Jesus, it is too late. It is too late. You see, again, God is asking me to tell you, I am always on time. I am never too late. You, you, you can't conclude that if Jesus had come two days ago, five days ago, five weeks ago, five years ago in your life, things will have been different. But Jesus is saying, I am here now. And I am the resurrection and the life. Everything that is dead, I will bring back to life. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about this God reading service. Totally, totally excited about it. Beauty for ashes. But if we go on and we look at this, the story of a man in, in Judges 6 called Samson. Judges 6 from verse 11 to 13. It says, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was stretching wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord be with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has so, the dilemma of Gideon was this God, can we get help from him? Can I get help from God? Because I am not even sure if he is with me. I don't know if he is with me. I don't know if he is with us. Is this God with us? And at the beginning of that chapter, he says that um, Israel did things that God did not like. You know, you may, you may be here and you may have done things that God doesn't like. And you're like, can God forgive me? Can God forgive this? Can God still be with me? I'm here to say to you today, the question is not can God forgive you. The question is, can you repent? Can you come to God and ask him to have mercy? If you can do that, God can forgive you. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, unfortunately, religion tells us the, the other way around, you know, that, oh, there are certain things you need to do. But God says, no, you need me before you can do those certain things. I mean, take the children of Israel, for instance, when they were in, on, on the, in the wilderness. These people, the whole nation, apart from just a handful, were in total rebellion. But God gave them protection. God gave them manna. God fed them. 
None of them was ill. None of them was sick. None of them was hungry. Religion tells us that you need to do good so that God can feed you. God says, I need to feed you so that you can do good. Totally different. Totally different. You know, religion says, be right so that God can feed you. God says, no, I want to feed you so that you can be right. So, what is God saying to you today? You are firing from God. God is saying, don't promise me again. You know, many of us, we are promising God. Oh, I will, I will not do this. Oh, I will do that. Oh, I will not do this. God says, you don't even have the power to fulfill those promises. God says, come to me. Let me fill you. Then you will fulfill those things effortlessly. Don't think you have to fulfill them before you can come to me. You need me to rise above them. So, God is saying, come, let me feed you. If you are far from God, the the first place you want to go to is God. Many times when we are far from God, what we want to do is, we want to, Pastor, I want to put myself in order first before I come to church or before I join the fellowship. I want to put my life straight first. I want to. And the best you can do will be like filthy rags. But God is saying to you this morning, come, though your sins be as scarlet, come, they will be white as snow. Until you come, no transformation. God wants there for you and I to have beauty for ashes. This is come. So we see that can God help me? All of a sudden transforms to God can help me. Another vigil, you know, by the grace of God, beginning from tomorrow, we are going to be having mini vigils here every day from 11 to three. I want to encourage you not to miss it because God can help you. Praise the name of the Lord. God wants to help you and God wants to be with you. The second dilemma also, the second thing we wrestle with when we move from can God help me to God can help me then we find ourselves, because we are convinced that God can help us, we move to God must help me. God must help me. God must help me. If I can have God's help, becomes to becomes I must have God's help. I must have God's help because I don't have a plan B. I only have a plan G. I don't know. You you get that at the vigil on Monday. (laughs) I only have a plan G. God's plan. I don't have a plan B. God must help 
me. You see, when you get to a place when you can see that God can help you, you have to transition to God must help me. So God should not be one of your options for help. God will be your only option for help. God must help me. So before I've been maybe relying on on this, relying on that, relying on this, then now I can see that God can help me. I should not add God to my options. That if if this fails, then this, then if God fails, then that, if no, 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 no. I should transition from God can to God must help me. I should say that if God doesn't help, I am helpless. These are the recipes for transformation. If you want to experience divine transformation, if God doesn't help, I am helpless. If God doesn't come to my rescue, I am helpless. And it's a a good place to be because God is full of mercy. It's a good place to be. You know, there was a time that David, in, in 2 Samuel Second Samuel 24, that David accounted the people against God's will, and God was going to deal with David. And God spoke to God, the seer, and said to David, you know what? Let David choose three. One of three punishments. And David teaches us something huge here. David says to God, I'm in a desperate situation, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into the hands of human beings, because human beings are merciless. May God not put your bread in another man's hand. Let your bread come from from God. So David found himself in a place and it's like God must help me. I mean, if you have to choose two punishments, I mean, if 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 man punishes you, if man if they say that two people, man wants to flog you and God also has a, a cane and wants to flog you, when you compare strength to strength, whose flogging should be more devastating? But when you compare heart to heart, when you compare heart to heart, I always go for God. <laughs> always. My grandmother would say, Me to read the Riji Walodore, Kawakuli Maberre. I will interpret it. Because there's forgiveness with you, therefore we fear you. You see, when you think God's mercy always leads to repentance, always, 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 and God is saying to you and I, I am your only option. God must help. 
I mean, the story in, in Luke 18, the story of the importunate widow, in Luke 18, 1, 1 to 8, I, I'm, I'm sure we know that story. But I, I'll just read it quickly. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples the story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Always hold on to God and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. It says, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said, to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I am going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with a constant request. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think. God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, if we grant them justice quickly. Everyone say quickly. When you show up consistently before God, this is what Jesus is saying, and you seek him consistent, as we are going to begin to do by the grace of God from tomorrow, day and night. God is saying that, do you think this unjust judge is better than me? So you say, Pastor, what gives you confidence? You know, that's it. The word of God. God says, I am better than the unjust judge. So, it is up to you. It is not a matter of can God help me? The question is, have you transitioned to God must help me? Help me or nothing else. You know, a lady said to God, you know, I've been a good girl all these years. A single lady. This is another year. It was the beginning of the year. I am going to follow you, all these things you are saying, you know, for this new year. If nothing happens, I can't guarantee anything, you know. Anything that happens, happens. It won't be my fault. <laughs> you know, so, so, so you are saying to God, you are saying to God, I just need you to know that you are not my only option. When girls were girls, I know how to capture any man I want. So why would I be like this without a husband? Now, the question is this. If God doesn't do it, do you want to help him? Number one, if he doesn't do it, who else should do it? And again, this is not just shooting in the dark. God has said to us, I will do it. And he gave the example of the judge. And he says, look at this judge. He, he rendered justice. What do you, who do you think I am? If you could ask your father bread and they won't give you stones. If you could ask for fish and they won't give you a serpent. He says, how much more me? 
Give me some credit. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, like David said in Psalm 63, verse 1, that I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts. My whole body longs for you. Our all beings must long for God. Like the story of Anna in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 to 10. 1 Samuel 1, 1 to 10. It says, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zoph, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Anna and Penina. Penina had children, but Anna did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Ophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented the sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Anna, he would give her only one choice portion. Now, another transition says he would give her a double portion, but the, the original is not clear on the portion. So, he gives her, whatever portion he gives her, it reminded her of her barrenness. Because the Lord had given her no children. So, Penina would taunt Anna and make fun of her. Because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Anna as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Anna would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Anna? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted? Just because you don't have children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Even that will not be sweet in his mouth. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Anna got up. She said, enough of this pity party. Enough of this rival responses. Enough of this crying to man that cannot help me. And went to pray. I pray that you will get up and go to the place of prayer. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Anna was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. She was there crying bitterly. God became her only option. It is not, no longer an issue of the God of the heavens armies that can help me. 
He now became an issue of the God of the heaven's armies that must help me. That transition is totally indispensable. Like Anna, you have to get up and pray. You have to get up and pray. You have to get up and face God. If God doesn't move, you're in trouble. But God will move. God will do it again. In the name of Jesus. So, when we transition from can God help me? To God can actually help me. Then we transition to from can God help me to God must help me. When we come in contact with God, as you are going to come in contact with God this season, in the name of Jesus, you transition to God will help me. Praise the name of the Lord. You transition to God will help me. To write that down, even though we skipped that slide. <laughs> God will, God will help me. Psalm 27 verse 13, Psalm 27 verse 13 says, Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I am confident that everything God has promised me, I will receive them here, here, here in the land of the living. What makes that possible to move from God must help me that to the point that you know that the help is here already. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if we continue that story in verse 12 of First Samuel 1, it says, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound. He thought, hmm, shall you? She has been drinking. <laughs> Verse 14. Then he said, must you come here drunk? He said, he demanded, throw away your wine. You know, how do you feel when you're burdened, you're crying to God and the person that should know better comes to you and yabs you like this? How do you respond? Do you eye him from top to bottom? <laughs> or do you give him a piece of your anguish? But thank God for Anna. He says, oh no, sir. She replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I'm pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, 
For you have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. She had moved from God must help me to God will help me. And we see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You begin to eat and get ready because your body needs to be strong for you to carry the baby. You, I mean, that is, that is faith right there. Hebrews 1, Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things we cannot see. And it takes a divine encounter. It takes, you know, Eli might look ordinary. You can even say he's a backsliding prophet, if you will. But it took Eli being God's representative to say, if this is so, the God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, grant you your request. He didn't even ask, what is the request? What is the prayer for? You know, a lot of people come, I mean, like, okay. And I see their body, you know, and, and I'm like, I, want, I really want to pray for them. And I said, okay, let's pray. And I go, no, Pastor, no, I need to tell you the prayer point. I said, no. He said, no, 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 no. How would you know what to pray for? I need to tell you the prayer I said, no, my sister. Usually the ladies, no, my sister. <laughs> I said, no, my sister. You know, let me pray. I will pray. Because Eli did not even ask. What, do you, what is it that you wanted? It doesn't matter. The God of heaven's armies that sees the heart of everybody knows your request. He knows it. And he says, that God will grant your request. And he walked away. So, it takes a divine encounter for transformation to happen. It takes a divine encounter for transformation to happen. In Matthew 9, Matthew 9, 27 to 30, quickly, it says that after Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they said, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. And the story goes on. In Luke 5, 13, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm drawing a, um, a correlation here. In Luke 5, 13, it says, Jesus reached out and touched him. The man, remember the, the, the man that asked, if, are you, if you are willing, you can make me heal whole, uh, the, the leprous man. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, he said, be healed and instantly instantly his leprosy disappeared. As we press on and zoom in as 
we wait on the Lord for what he's doing, God will stretch forth his hands and touch you. In the name of Jesus. So we see here that Jesus touched him before he healed him. You know, this guy was heavily leprous. Jesus did not say be healed first before he touched him. Jesus touched him in the condition. Then the healing came. So the touch of Jesus brings a glorious transformation. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you will receive the touch of Jesus. Jesus will stretch forth his hands and he will touch you and your life will never remain the same again. Let's burn our hearts, let's burn our heads. I want you to focus on God and 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 sing that song. Touch me with your hands. Touch me with your hands. Jesus, touch me with your I need God's help. I need God's help. I want to give my life to Jesus. I have never given my life to Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah, like Pastor, I, I used to be born again, but I, I'm, I'm not with God anymore. Can God help me? The question is, can you repent? Can you come to God? They're like, okay, pastor, I want to come to God. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. Pray with me, pastor. I need the help of God. I want to surrender to God. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray together. If you put up your hand, 
Prove it up well. God bless you. Over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me. Shoot it up over your head. God bless you. If you, if you have the card, you can put down your hand. That is all that is required. The rest of us, let's just say to God, Father, help me. You alone are my help. 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 surrendering to you today here online wherever they are on the face of the earth we ask that you reveal yourself to them Lord let them find real help from you every one of us my father by the time this season is over by the time service is over on Sunday precisely let us know that you have exchanged beauty for ashes. In the mighty name of Jesus. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord.